This is Blender Style, the show where we discuss a blend of heavy and extreme music. On this episode, Down, NOLA. This album was released 1995 on Elektra Records. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. This is one called Blending All. Let's go! Uh, Nathan, this is your pick. Why did you choose Down, NOLA? Because I'm a huge fan of Phil Anselmo and... Uh, the other members uh, in this band, in this band, are in like you know Crowbar, Goat Whore, I Hate God, um, Corrosion of Conformity. So this is like a super group, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm a fan of all those bands. So and this was their debut album. Yes, Nola, you know New Orleans. Yep, because they're all from New Orleans, mm-hmm. right? All those dudes for uh, from Crowbar and whatnot. Yeah. Coc. How about you, Casey? You're familiar with uh, Down Nola. Yeah, so I'm familiar with it um, from back in the day. Uh, I haven't listened to this album all the way through in a long time. I think, you know, every time we hang out, we play at least Stone the Crow and, and maybe Temptation's Wings or something. Mm-hmm. But but uh, I haven't sat down and listened to this since we were kids, like, what, 95, 96, somewhere around there? When did this come out? 95, yeah. Yeah. So, he I mean, was supposedly still kind of in Pantera, right? This, like, he was yeah, absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah, he was absolutely yeah. Yeah, uh Far Beyond Driven, I think, came out in ninety six or seven. Something like that. This was at the peak of all these guys' career, in my opinion. I mm-hmm. feel like Crowbar, Pantera, mm-hmm. and COC were all at their best in the early nineties. Well, this is also kind of the peak of that, that genre of music. That that not not down, but all those bands The Sludge Metal, yeah. yeah. I mean, this was like kind of when all that stuff was really popping and for them to branch off and kind of leave what they had and do this side project. It was a controversial thing at the time. I mean, I know it drove kind of a wedge in between Pantera because everybody was pissed off that Phil was off doing his own thing and not including them. And there was a potential for him to get big mm-hmm. or but, bigger than them. But this would become, becomes a theme with Phil and someone mm-hmm. where he's like in a thousand projects. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's in many, many different projects. And- well, and, and this band was formed in what? 91. Yeah, so New Orleans, and and they didn't get signed for years. It was just kind of a jam project, it seems like. Interesting. So apparently, they had some songs that were recorded, Mm -hmm. and each of them got, you know, had a tape. And what they would do is, while they were on tour with their other bands, they would play these songs to certain people, not tell them who it was and everything, and people were, like, loving it. Like whoever really? they showed, yeah. So whoever yeah. showed they showed these demos to, everyone was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, I read you that know? like their their first. I think it was a, what a three track demo was only available through underground trading. They would they would give them out to like the band members, and when they were touring with their main bands, like Nate was saying, they would walk up to fans and people and be like, "Hey, have you heard that band Down? Check it out!" Not mm. telling them they were in the band, yeah. and they got this like pretty big following just from handing out stuff, and nobody knew who they who was actually in the band. So when this came out, it kind of hit hard, you think? They did that for a few years, and then uh, one of the executives from Electra Records got a hold of one of their demos, and they were playing a small show in New Orleans, and he showed up and realized who was in the band and signed him immediately. How did an A&R guy not find this earlier? Like, this is clearly a special band with special members in the band. Were they just well, not was, playing live in that No, very- they just weren't talking about it. Yeah, they were. They so this were, band was working on these things for quite a while, mm-hmm. and when they finally had this material, they dropped it, and it actually hit in the Billboard uh, 200 charts. Yeah, uh, 
57 for six weeks. It was on the top uh, 200 charts. Really? Well, so that when this came out, this actually, and, I would say, hit a made a big, a big splash. Mark. Yeah. Yeah, and, and also to touch on that, it wasn't their three song demo that got the attention because by the time they were signed, they had recorded a three song, a four track, and then I think a ten track demo. I know uh, nothing of the the demos. Okay. I know that they had recorded. Because yeah. they got together and they practiced. So they, stuff, so they did but. the three track. They did a four track, which was exactly the same as the three track, just with an intro. And they did a four track, um, and that's the one that kind of started blowing them up. And then when they showed up there, but my issue is isn't necessarily. This, so like, then this is the first release. This is the first release. Yeah. Yeah. After being signed, now they've been around for a while. By the like time. you can't get the demos. They're like not on me. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I this think is it'd okay. be hard. I mean, you might get lucky and find one bootleg somewhere, but I doubt you're going to find an actual copy. So Phil has a distinct voice. You know, it's Phil. I mean, well, maybe back then you didn't, but if you heard a song now, you could tell it's Phil by the sound. Still to this day, I so, scour all the yeah, different bands. So he does. for for an A and R guy to to have to hear the demo, or for all the the people that were handed this demo, not to realize right off the bat that it's Phil Anselmo. Well, it's that, a lecture, bro. Like they signed well, Metallica, no, but, I'm saying, but I'm just saying even, even the people they handed out these demos to, and like, oh, if you heard the band down and check this out and handed out this tape to, well, maybe they might have. Maybe you know, Phil was like, "Hey, man, this is something I'm working on," but yeah. didn't say, "Hey, these all these." other dudes from new orleans are up in this mix you yeah know well, I mean? well according to the the what i read on on the interwebs it's that they just handed it out didn't tell them they were in the band never told anybody their, uh -huh. their names weren't on the demo it was just down with the track mm -hmm. listing i feel like um, phil's pretty dang diverse in is. this record he's, though well he's super diverse in all the stuff that he does but yeah this one kind of spans a lot of different uh styles of music more so than what he was known for at the time so what would you call this? I would call this sludgy groove metal, mm -hmm. which Pantera is credited for being groove metal, Crowbar sludge metal. It's like a mashup of the two. COC is kind of a, you know, they even did a little bit of punk, but to me, Pepper Keenan is more of like the deliverance era of, of, Crow, of COC, and mm -hmm. it has like a more like stoner rock. So this is like sludge metal, groove metal, stoner metal. It has that New Orleans sound. And it's from New Orleans. It yeah. just has that New Orleans sound for sure. I hear hardcore, punk, southern rock, and stoner rock. Yeah. So when I went back and listened to this, I, I, I like saying. jotted down like the different things that I kind of heard, and it was real simple and real easy, mm -hmm. and that's what I got. It's like Leonard Skinner and Black Sabbath, yeah. like hanging out. That's cool. Yeah, I get that. The chunk, it's real chunky on the guitar. The guitar playing is great on this. Oh yeah, it is. The drumming's real loose and and, and that's one of the, the cool pocket. Th yeah. yeah, that's one of the cool things. It's, it almost has like kind of a swingy thing uh, going. He on does a that. lot of triplet fills. Yeah, it's yeah, so. really cool because it, it's not something you would normally hear with like a heavy distorted guitar and stuff, and it, it works so well. Totally agree. It does have that. It does swing sometime mm -hmm. when they move into triplets and stuff like that. I yeah, yeah. Um, the the vocal con or the lyrical content on this has a has almost a a depressive down by Phil. Um, like he's dealing with some shit. Huh? Like he's dealing with some shit. And, and I mean, in hindsight, we all know, you know, what, what was going on at the time. But in interviews, Phil says that these songs really have no meaning. They were all just words that he wrote down at the time. And he doesn't know what he's singing about half the time. Hmm. I mean, was he doing a lot of heroin? There? Well, and that's kind of where I'm at because there's some songs on here. I'm like, oh, dude, this is like 
so like a cry for help like yeah, get me out of this shit yeah. yeah but he says that it like in a couple interviews he's like no they just like like they don't know what they mean they're just kind of there huh his vocal performance is fucking great his voice is on point honestly. I would have to say that this is my favorite Phil vocal style uh performance performance Nola like he's great in everything but mm, Nola I- for me Nola for me I think, you know, he's got Lifer, he's got, uh, I mean, so many tracks on here that he is either getting high, bluesy, or like, he's he's, he's doing it all. He does this, like, mid-range stuff a lot on uh, uh, Temptation's Wing, and then he's, like, screaming over it. And it sounds so badass. So, Pantera, um, Voyage Player Power was when he kind of really pushed Forefront with the uh, with his grindy kind of stuff, and then yes. before that, Cowboys from Hell was kind Great of that, record too. Kind of that glam rock more, thing. With, yeah, more eighties metal sounding. This blends the two, but then, like you said, it adds that really bluesy element that you you heard occasionally in the Pantera stuff up to that point, but it wasn't forefront. And this really took advantage of it. And in like you were saying, Nate, his vocal performance on this is on point. Like he's would, got that, that deep, like almost like moaning kind of thing going on and it's really good and he does some spoken word almost mm-hmm. where he's just doing like talking on the album yeah it's weird that he would say something like that because like for me well you know it's always up to the fans interpretation of what's going on right but to me these lyrics are actually pretty spot on i you know i see suicide i see drug use i see you know what i mean uh self-loathing uh, you know i, I don't know i that's weird. I, that's that is almost crushing my heart that he just <laughs> wrote this on a napkin. And, like, and, and, and that's how I feel about it too, because I feel like a lot of this was like that. Um, did you ever watch that um, thing where he sat down with uh, I don't remember what university it was, and he did the uh, yeah. it was like a poetry thing, yeah. and he talked about heroin or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like all of this stuff that he spoke about in there, way before any of that stuff came out. Yeah, it's like it's almost like he's singing about it before he comes to the world and says, "Yeah, I have a heroin problem," kind of thing. Before he like maybe even realizes, and he's like, "Yeah, maybe," but like subconsciously he did, Hmm. which is weird because I'm with you. I I feel like there's a lot of meaning behind these lyrics, but then to read that there weren't a lot of meanings, I was like, "No, there's no way, dude," because this you could feel it, like you could feel it in his voice throughout this whole thing. It's really good. Let's talk about what we like. What'd you like about this, Nate? Um, I really love the guitar riffs. I love how they can get rocking. I love how they can bring it down and get real bluesy. I love how the drums are really in the pocket, like you said. Uh, I love that it has a New Orleans sound. It has that southern sound, which I love because, you know, Leonard Skinner fan and stuff. Right on. Um, and this, like I said, this is Black Sabbath and Leonard Skinner hanging out, having some beers. I feel like this is a record you could, if your father was into it, you could you know, hang out and listen to this record. I think it's pretty diverse. I think young people, older people can get into it. Um, The vocal, you you know, the vocals were great, obviously. Um, I think this is a great, well-rounded record. One of my likes about it, too, is also how accessible it is. Like, I can play this when my dad's in the car with me and he can just jam out Mm -hmm. with it. It's not too heavy. Like, Temptation's Wing, he's screaming quite Mm -hmm. a bit. But it, it doesn't sound too abrasive. Like, he does it really tastefully. Well, like, you even, could make a mix up. for somebody and slip a down song in there, and they'd be like, fucking... 
it works well. Yeah, it yeah. totally does. Well, and like you said, on, on Temptations, when you up to that point where you start streaming, it's super accessible. One of the likes for me is Temptations Wing. That song oh, is yeah. fucking untouchable. Mm-hmm. It's a masterpiece of sludge groove metal. Oh, yeah, it is. Like, in my notes, I'm like, fave song. Because I do this for all the records, you know? And, like, I looked and I was like, I'm not even going to write it down. Because, like, honestly, all these songs are my favorite songs. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, uh, yeah. All the, I, I would say all these songs except for um, uh, the little... Acoustic interlude thing, yeah. jail. And jail. It shouldn't be there. I know why it's there, but it wasn't executed well. They oh. could have. They oh, I think jail was a nice touch. Well, I feel like mm-hmm. a song like that needed to be there within that album, but they could have. They could have put a little more effort. I think they should have put it towards mm-hmm. the end because I feel like it really broke the flow of the album. Uh, it was deep. It was more than halfway through, right? It was about halfway. Yeah. But Temptations Wings, I think, overshadows the rest of the oh, album. Yeah. That, that, that really? starts off and, and sets the expectation, and it never quite reaches that point again. And that, that was some of the stuff I liked. Like, I really liked how sludgy it was. There's a really there's a lot of vocal and guitar layering going on. Like, if you listen to it, you could hear uh, there's a lot of layering going on Phil's voice and a lot of really cool background vocals and, and voices. And like you said, spoken words that are spoken in the background that aren't necessarily part of the song, um, which are Dude, the intro. Yeah. They're nice. Little of, uh, you know, this one's called losing all. Yeah. I love like, that. Why would that even be put in there? Yeah. Why are you, you know announcing I mean? the name of the and song? I love you're when recording? He play, and when he plays it live, he says, yeah, this one's called losing all. And you, you know, perform- motherfuckers fucking, I love raised. that part. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, like on the, it's like on a fucking hostile. He counts it in one, two, three, four. Like, you don't have to... You Dude, this cut. record sounds like what they would sound like live. I've never seen Down Live. Mm. I really hope to see Down Live. And if I see Down Live and it sounds... Anywhere they, close. Yeah. It's gonna, right. Yeah. They're all pros. It won't be the same members. It fucking might be the who same. It might. Well, and should we bring this up? So who played bass? Was this Rex on this? Or was no. this... No, Rex wasn't until Rex played in album. it, right? Later on, he did, oh, okay. like, on two or three... Yeah. Um, Jimmy Bauer plays drums on this. I mm-hmm. don't remember who plays bass. Phil sings. Uh, Pepper Keenan from COC mm-hmm. plays guitar. Kirk Win. Kirk Win. Winstead. Weinstein. Weinstein. Not Weinstein. <laughs> really? Weinstein. Okay. Yeah. Uh, from uh, Crowbar plays guitar. Yeah. I fucking love Crowbar. So, so yeah, I love I love the sludgy feel of this. I mean, it feels like New Orleans. Um, when when I heard people say that, oh yeah, that that sounds like New Orleans. It has that feel. Uh, it feels exactly like the city, like the vibe. Uh, I was like, I don't see how anybody could could say that something sounds like a city. Uh, and then we went down to New Orleans uh, that one year for uh, uh, Halloween. You went to Voodoo Fest too, right? Yeah, and dude, it's exactly what New Orleans sounds like. <laughs> like it feels like it's. It was the best time I ever had. I would totally go there again. This this album captures that vibe, that like kind of slow. Everybody's down to chill with each other. Everybody's super friendly. Um, it's great. Uh, there's a ton of vocal and guitar layering on this, um, and it doesn't get muddy. It's, it sounds really cool. A lot of spoken background stuff, like like we were talking about earlier with like the 
intro to losing all and, and things like that. But there's also some cool little breakdown parts where you could hear like in the background field mumbling something. You don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but it sounds really good. Um, the guitar solos on this are amazing. Like there's not a lot of them, but the ones that are have that really cool bluesy. They're like bluesy. They're yeah, really like, riffy. Yeah, they're super riffy, like bluegrass. Not kind shred of, at all. No, mm-hmm. no, they're not like high fly, like flashy. Man. It's like it's like a skilled guitar, like somebody who took guitar lessons and, and learned how to play a really good blues guitar. It's great. What'd you dislike about it though, Casey? So my, my biggest dislike on this was um, kind of what Nate touched on earlier. This album's loud. Um, but at some points it's almost like uh, somebody wasn't paying attention and bumped the slider on certain parts. So you'll be listening to it and we'll bust into a solo. And then when it comes back, the chorus part or the bridge or whatever is higher than it was previous. And it's not very often. It's few and far between, but it it is noticeable. Other than that, there wasn't a lot of stuff that I didn't like about this album. Um, That jail interlude, I think I could have done without. Mm -hmm. That kind of broke the flow of it. But this album just, it kills through the whole thing. It's great. What about you, Matt? What didn't you like about it? I kind of agree. Like the playing on this is excellent, but the the songwriting kind of gets boring. Like they're pretty predictable. Mm-hmm. I've heard this a million times. So when we were listening to it, when I was listening to it again, it kind of gets boring. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm nitpicking, if I can be honest. It's other than that, I, I pretty much like it. Yeah, I feel you on that. Like I, I was two or three times into it, and I was like, man, I heard this album so many times. Like midway through, I'm just like, I'm like, get, I get lost. It just kind of loses me in the background. Mm-hmm. Nothing really jumps out at you. It's really, really easy to listen to. It is. But that I guess that's my complaint about it. It's like so easy that it's like. It oh, can't keep your attention. It doesn't keep my attention. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, now, to touch on that, does it not keep your attention because you've heard it so many times? Yes. Like when, when you were younger and you heard this. It was, it blew my and, shit away. And yeah. that's kind of where I'm at with it too. Because I was like, when I listened to it, I felt the same way. I was like, man, I remember this being like. I, I was just like so in the zone listening to it, but now I listen to it and, you know, after like two or three times, I'm kind of like, I've heard this so many times <laughs> that I'm just kind of like, cool, still great album. I have the entire thing memorized. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, it's great, but I just like, at this point, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I've heard it all. So kind of easily lose, because it's so accessible and easy to listen yeah, to. Yeah, you've heard it so many It's times. not a challenging thing to listen to mm-hmm. it, but it is like, it blows you away the first time you hear it for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, another thing I really did not like about this album is the beginning of temptations wing sounds exactly like losing all (laughs) like the guitar riff is almost identical. Yeah. I totally forgot about that, but yeah, that like, if you put this album on shuffle and those are back to back, you're like, what the fuck? I just (laughs) listened to this song. Why did they remix it? Maybe they were really drunk at that time. I fucking hope so. What about you, Nate? What'd you not like about down Nola? Uh, jail. (laughs) <laughs> really i really like jail uh no i don't like jail because it, well the record has a feel and it has a flow for me um i don't hate jail but uh if i'm listening to it at work and my phone's in my pocket i'm really hoping that i could get to it to skip it but i can't so i listen to jail <laughs> um um and you know i i really don't have a lot to dislike about this so uh, I gave this a 3.7 out of 5. Uh, great album. It gives a awesome vibe of like, 
buddies getting together and jamming, um, hanging out, drinking, you know, doing whatever and jamming. It's got that really jammy vibe. It's got a cool, like, mixture of, like you said, stoner rock and sludge metal and southern rock and everything. And the musicianship just kills on this. I mean, there's there's one song on here that I'm with you that I, I would skip almost every time. But there's not much on this album that I don't like. Mm. What about you, Matt? I give this a 4.3 out of 5. This is an awesome album. And like you were saying, Nate, you can put this on in any situation. You're you're working, mm-hmm. you're working out, you're hanging with friends, put on down Nola. Nice. Um, my rating is 5.0. I think Ooh, I love what? I love the imperfections. Um, I love that it's gritty. Um, I love that it is predictable. I love that I know every word to this. And like if I show up at work and I gotta go up a ladder at 6:30 in the morning. And I put this record on, I'm good. Fuck yeah. Bro. I'm fucking getting it. Fuck yes. And if I'm drunk and I'm hanging outside and I'm barbecuing, Stone the Crow, Bury Me in Smoke, uh, this is a great record, 5.0 for me. Wow. This is Blender Style. That was Down Nola. We're from Blender Style. You listen to our radio station because we tell you to. Blender Style.